Hi everyone, I'm Kelly Harrell, author, modern animist, and runes fangirl. Soul Intent Arts is my spiritually focused practice, and you're listening to What in the Weird, my podcast in which I talk about runes, animism, soul healing, and how all of that intersects through sacred activism on my path. The weekly rune is out, and if you're not familiar with it, well, go read it. What are you waiting for? It's a rune cast that I've done for years focused on the runic calendar and the current half month. If you're not sure what a half month is, listen to the early episodes of What in the Weird, or just go read the weekly rune at soulintentarts.com. It's explained at the beginning of every rune cast, and you can subscribe to the weekly rune on my website also. I want to thank everyone who's contacted me with questions and comments about the show and the weekly rune. We're going to address some of those questions on the show today. And also thanks to my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the RuneCast and the podcast possible with their financial support. I've gained a few new patrons over the last week, so thank you to those folks. If you want to show your support for What in the Weird and the Weekly Rune, search for the Weekly Rune on Patreon.com and thank you so much for doing so. My big news for this week is, holy cats, my new book, Runic Book of Days, came out last week, and did you know it debuted at number one in two bestseller categories on Amazon? I know, I was blown away. It was number one in Divination with Runes and in Paganism and Neopaganism. Everybody has been so supportive, and the book has done really well. I I can't say thank you enough. I'm very grateful That you showing up to support my work allows me to show up and do more work. It's really an amazing thing. And I'm blown away by how awesome everyone has been. If you feel so inclined, please review Runic Book of Days on your venue of choice. Because keep in mind that reviews go a long way to improve the visibility of books. So we're doing a Q&A this week to just kind of catch up. We haven't done one in a while, but I don't want to totally skip over the half month, which is now Kenaz or Kauna. This week's cast is pretty optimistic, but it does require a little legwork for the full benefit to be evident. If you, if you read the runecast, you'll see what I mean by that. We're in this sweet spot of finding meaning from our stories. We've come through this whole Ansu's plus Raido equals Kenaz, which is naming plus storytelling equals meaning. So the RuneCast, for now, shows a lot of support for doing that with abundant resources and partnership. Go check out the RuneCast at soulintentarts.com. And we'll talk more about Kenaz and meaning in our next episode. Foremost, thank you guys for sending me lots of questions. I get them on a pretty regular basis. And honestly, they're pretty dang good ones, if I do say. Y'all are all right. So the first one that I want to include today is from Zaya. And she asks about Runic Book of Days. Uh, Does the book explain the runes origins and exactly how to use them? Or is it a book for those with prior knowledge? Very good. Thank you, Zaya. It's both. 
Uh, the book is broken down into two parts. The first part is a primer on the Elder Futhark, and the second part describes how to work with the runic calendar through a series of half-month devotionals and Sabbath initiations. And it's written so that you can jump in at the current time of the year whenever you start reading it. Just skip to the current half-month, and you can begin with that devotional. So from the feedback I've gotten thus far, most people seem to use part one as sort of solidifying their relationship to the runes, um, supplementing what they already know about the runes, and and then they kind of reserve part two until they feel like they're ready to, to engage that information. So really, if you have prior knowledge about the runes, you feel pretty confident about the runes. Um, I would say part one is mostly acclimating to how I talk. It, it may not even come down to you learning more about the runes themselves. You may feel really confident about that. It's more understanding how I talk about them so that when you go into the application part of the calendar and the lived experience of the book that you understand how I'm talking and what I'm talking about. There's also a Facebook group that's noted in the book so that if you have questions, you can raise them in a community of other people who likely have the same questions and get a collection of responses. Because we all know that thing about how if one person has the question, really five other people have it too. They're just afraid to ask. So that's kind of my reason for incorporating a group into the book support. Not just that, but it's not the world according to me. It's not the runes according to Kelly. So, you know, engaging in a group with somebody that you trust, because, you know, usually people identify with me and my voice, but it leads them to other relationships so that they can get other perspectives on the runes besides mine and their own. So thank you for asking that, Zaya. Another listener asked, does your book go into the magical aspects of the runes, such as protective or manifestation work? I think that depends on what you mean by magical aspects. Like every aspect or use of the runes is based in magic from my, from my perspective. And, and I'm assuming that we're talking about magic as the way that we engage weird, which we all have you know, some amount of pullover, and then there are aspects that, that we don't have control over. Uh, so from my perspective, Runic Book of Days is predominantly about coming into direct relationship with the runes such that we realize the parts of us that are the runes, the places where we embody those keys, those life forces, and where we have something that we give back to them. So from my standpoint, that animistic relationship is the magical aspect of the runes. Um, that is magic working. But I understand that within the general runes communities, when somebody asks about magic, they're really referring to using the runes in some avenue of spell work. You know, they may not exactly call it spell work, but they're talking about using the runes in magic working. So, that's not my forte, but it's purely because I just haven't really gotten to that yet. I haven't felt a need to explore the runes that way. I get the the magical input and results from them 
from being in direct relationship with them. So I get that they're powerful in that way. It's just not the way that I work with them. Um, I think it's on my list of things to explore, though, to be completely honest. I'm, I'm interested in it, and I want to understand how that works for other people. So the short answer is no, the book does not cover that approach to magical rune work, but it definitely encompasses working with the runes in relationship and how that creates its own magic in how you engage the runes. So thank you. Our next question comes from Caitlin, and she asks, In your opinion, what is the best way you would recommend a person connect to the runes? Do you have your own process, and if so, would you recommend someone do the same or keep it a more personal journey between the person and the spirits of the runes? Excellent question. I foremost am an animist, and and this is something that I talk about in the book. I always advocate for direct relationship with the Futhark as a whole and with each individual rune. And, and again, I'm coming from 25 plus years of experience with the runes. This relationship is a long one for me. And it takes a while to get that. It may take a while to get a feel for each individual rune. So maybe starting with the Futhark as a whole is a, a better place to begin. So for me, what that looks like, that process means literally sitting down in a trance space and inviting the spirit of the Futhark or a specific rune to come sit with me and have a conversation. It doesn't even have to be this divinatory, you know, am I going to get my new job and, you know, am I going to meet my soulmate kind of divinatory stuff that people, you know, tend to think of when they come to the runes but more of opening an ongoing dialogue that will be there every time you come back to that space. You're not starting at zero. It's a continuing conversation. And the way that that starts, I think a good place at least for it to start, is you know to ask what the rune or the futhark has to teach you. And I think another one is what it needs from you. Remember, again, this is a relationship and it requires reciprocity. People forget to feed their oracles. And if you don't feed them, they will not work. And I don't just mean they won't have answers to the dynamics that you present to them, but you won't get the clarity that you want from them. Just with as with every relationship in your life, the more you situate into it, the more you invest in it, the more you understand that other person or that, that other being in the relationship and you have a dialogue between you. You're not starting at zero every time, like I already said. And so you need to be able to ask the runes what they need from you, each individual rune, and keep that going and give it when they ask. And so that way when I can come to them and say, you know, what does XYZ mean within the, a specific context of my life or my work? It's not this puzzle to figure out how it applies. I understand how it applies because we've been having this conversation for a long time. I understand what it feels like. I understand the sensations that come through my body when a particular rune shows up or when a particular dialogue with the Futhark is taking place. 
that's the way that process looks for me. And yes, it is born over time. It is not something that is going to immediately be revealed in one sitting. I always advocate that people meet the runes the way they most need to, which may take some work. It's going to take some trial and error to get right. We are recipe and formula oriented beings. We tend to take one person's method and apply it even if it doesn't really feel right, because we're afraid to get it wrong. We're very dogmatic. We've been taught that we can only access divinity this one certain way, and if we don't do it that way, then you know we're going to get swallowed up by the void. But the reality is you have to tease out the way that it works for you. And I mean really works for you, not just this is how you do it. You sit down, you get some stuff, you go about your business. But I mean the way that results show up in your life in an active way from rune work. It's not just about how you connect with the runes, what you get from them, but building that relationship over time, reciprocity. What do they need from you? How are the runes needs met through your gifts, through your abilities, maybe even through your calling? In that light, how they engage each of us will always be unique. None of us can approach work with them the exact same way. It is all about relationship. Another listener asked, do you use bind runes? The short answer is I don't. Not because I refuse them, but because I get what I need from each individual rune or from working them with them in sort of a successive context of conversation. Like, like I said in the other answer, this is an ongoing dialogue from my perspective. It didn't just start with me either. The, the runes have been having a dialogue with humanity, with being, for thousands of years. And so, you know, for me, I just kind of enter into that slipstream when I did, and I have created myself as part of that dialogue now. And for me, the richness of that engagement is fulfilling enough. I, I haven't found a need to incorporate bind runes. So, you know, I feel their presence and their perspective in my life, even when I don't have them in hand, even when I'm not sitting down to do a rune cast or I'm not drawing them or, you know, any, any sort of literal engagement, they're, they're still with my life force. That is how, how long, how deep, how rich my relationship with them has become. So if you're not sure what a bind rune is, it's a magical, somewhat artistic combining of different runes, literally writing them in an artistic way so that they are combined to focus on a certain outcome or to meet a particular need. It's a form of magical working with the runes, completely all its own thing. And bind runes can be really fiddly. If you ask 10 people what they think a certain bind rune means or how it'll show up in your life, you'll get 10 different answers. So for me, and this is purely my perspective, that the fact that bind runes are so um, sort of out there in terms of what they can mean, how they can show up, what they can mean, the, that, that openness bypasses the direct personal relationship component for me. 
So I don't necessarily grok that, but it doesn't mean that buying runes aren't something you shouldn't explore. If you feel drawn to them, then I think it's worth finding some resources on them and, and you know, seeing how they show up in your life that way. So as with magical applications, I'm not opposed to buying runes, not at all. I just haven't had a personal need for them, you know, as a distinct other way from how I already work with the runes. Now, I do write them on things. That isn't to say I don't work with them artistically. I do. And from a, um, a focused standpoint, I love to write them. I love to draw them. There's, I'm a writer. You know, it's what I do. I'm, I'm sucked into alphabets. I love that. So it comes natural to me to just kind of doodle them on things. Not the same thing as bind runes. But I do every now and then write them usually on my hands when I need a certain kind of energy or influence in my life or I need a certain kind of help or um, there's a particular rune that I need to express gratitude to. So, yes, I do draw them. I work with them in that way, just not specifically as bind runes. And the book doesn't go into working with them as bind runes either. Another listener asked, why is the Galder different from the pronunciation? That is a complicated question for which there's no quick answer. And keep in mind that my response is kind of my observation of my time span relationship with the runes. Um, keep in mind that the word Galder and the practice of chanting the runes wasn't mainstream in runic study until Asatru hit its heyday in the New Age late 90s. So what I mean by that is, yes, Galder has been a component of Asatru. Asatru has been around for a long time. Heathenry, Vanatru, been around for a long time. But they haven't been popularized up until about the last maybe 15, 20 years, and that's largely the advent of the internet. And so even though Galder was a component of those spiritual paths, the runes community was pretty much stuck at using the runes as divination tools. And that's it. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a really limited use of what the runes were, what they are, and what they can do. So that's uh, Galder is a very recent entry into the end user aspect of the runes community. And because that's a more recent aspect of rune popularity, we had a long time prior to that to learn a lot of things the wrong way, part of which is pronunciation of the rune names themselves. Initially, the way we pronounce the runes is guesswork, which I talk about in the book. There's nothing written about how the Elder Futhark was pronounced or even what each rune necessarily meant. The only reason we have a guess at pronunciation and meanings of the runes of the Elder Futhark is because latter Futharks did come with documentation. We do have living tradition associated to latter Futharks, and some of the staves in those Futharks are carryovers from the Elder runes. So it's a process of association, which is a really good basis but even that, we still can't say for sure. We still can't concretely say, here's what the elder runes mean, and here's how you pronounce them. 
So with that confusion firmly in hand, academics have arbitrarily come up with how we think the elder runes were pronounced based on etymologies in diverse regional Old Norse languages. So there wasn't even one consistent language thousands of years ago. It was, it was sort of an amalgam with regional flair. The thing is, alongside that academic study, we internalized pronouncing them incorrectly, or at least in our best non-academic guess. So that's in part where we have bungled Galder and pronunciation. Galder tends more toward that academic breaking down of root words. And while we have worked with the runes at face value, like just kind of as end-user divinatory you know, engagement, that's where we derived the pronunciation of their names. So there's two streams happening here, and it's a hot mess. I mean, it, it literally is. It's not just you. It's not just some of the resources that you read, including my own. They really are kind of all over the place on this. So where everybody has, for example, internalized pronouncing kinaz as kinaz, its appropriate galder is more along the lines of kauna, which is technically the correct pronunciation. I know, it's really confusing. And one of the things that I encourage, like, you know, part of the Patreon community is I have begun going through the Galder of each rune and what each in unique rune cast, like the Galder for each rune cast. And you have to do it the way that it works for you. I mean, you're, you're not going to nail the pronunciation of the runes. You're probably not going to nail the Galder. But what you can do is observe how when you speak the runes, where you feel them. Literally, what emotions come up, what memories, what thoughts, what beliefs are triggered, and what sensations in your body show up. I think that's the best indication of Galder because that's what Galder was for. That's what chanting is for, to get you in a mindful, connected place. And that means to be aware of what's triggered as you do chance. So the end of it for me isn't about who's pronouncing it right or wrong, or if the Galder is slightly different than the name pronunciation of the rune. It's how it resonates with you, literally how the sound resonates through your body and your being. That's the one you need to go with. So all of this academic stuff in mind, I am a deep advocate for education, particularly where the runes are concerned, any of the futharks, not just the elder futhark, whatever one strikes you. And to me, that's in part what makes them so powerful as an alphabet, divinatory system, timekeeping method, and magical modality. They do have a specific cultural backdrop. They do situate in a very lavish context that isn't as evident as the pretty tarot cards. And I talk about this in the book also. You know, the tarot originally, it's not rooted in a culture. It, it's a relatively modern invention, which is not to say that it isn't valuable. The tarot is valuable. But the runes get compared to the tarot all the time because you look at the runes and they just kind of look like these little weird-looking stick things that are carved into clay or wood or bones. If you don't understand their cultural overlay, 
how do you know what they mean to you? Like, I get that you can sit and read, you know, kenos means torch or whatever. So what? If it doesn't have any meaning to you, if you can't understand the meaning it had for humans thousands of years ago, what difference does it make? Because hidden in those weird looking little stick things are thousands of years of history and human engagement with nature's mysteries. They are carvings of a lush and captivating wisdom and culture, and they may be the best-kept secret in magical engagement on the planet. I really do regard them as the keys, the owner's manual for how to human well. Should we tell others about them, or should we just keep them to ourselves? What do you think? That's it for this episode. If you have questions or insights about the runes, how you alter them, how you're in relationship with them, and where you are in your relationship with them, about runic book days or what in the weird, feel free to email me at kelly at solentonarts.com or call in through the Anchor app, which you can download for Android or iPhone. Also, Check out earlier episodes by downloading them from Google Play or iTunes and all kinds of other platforms. And if you get a chance, check out Everyday Animism, another podcast that I host with a couple of lovely ladies, which is also on Anchor. And I'd like to direct you to Around Grandfather Fire, which is another podcast that's focused on spirituality and mysticism. You can also find it on Anchor and other platforms. And if you have Amazon Alexa, add the flash briefing skill, the wisdom of the runes for runic prompts and inspiration throughout the week. You can learn more about me and my work by visiting solentonarts.com or I'm most active on social media at Instagram at Kelly Soul Arts. If you want to be updated about my work and engagement, you can join my mailing list at solentonarts.com. I'm Kelly, and this has been What in the Weird.